In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. The, the society here is very much uh, uh, stubborn and uh, deep-rooted into their own religion. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who was actually in the arena, whose face is marked by dust and sweat and blood. Welcome to the Men in the Arena podcast, where we interview specialists in the realm of manhood. Each of our guests is an expert in their chosen field or cause as it relates to men. Our conviction is to call you into the arena of manhood, call you out of the faceless, nameless bleachers, and call you up to be the best version of you. Because when a man gets it, everyone wins. Enjoy today's episode. Men in the Arena Army, we salute you. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. I'm Jim Ramos. And I'm your host for the show. Hey, guys, I'm really excited about today's guest. This guy is the founder and president of a Bible school in one of the most unchurched places on the planet. When you hear what this guy has to go through, you're going to be really excited. Uh, it's uh, it's amazing uh, what this uh, ministry is doing and what this guy's impact is in the northern part of India. And, guys, you know, what? one of the things we're trying to do with this podcast is we're trying to live according to one of our five core values. And one of the five core values of Men in the Arena is strategic partnerships. And by that we mean, quote, we believe in forming strategic partnerships with diverse Christ-centered people and organizations around the world who ultimately put Jesus on display. And so we want to do that better by diverse. We're talking about Christian men of diverse nationalities, color, and theological backgrounds because we offer our resources free to missionaries, and men in underdeveloped nations, we want to highlight some of these brave men who are building God's kingdom. So guys, before we get into today's interview, I want to talk about one of our man laws. Again, our man laws, guys, are supplied by you, our heroes. And when we use yours, hit us up with your address at info at and we'll send you some swag just to say thank you. So this week's man law is via Instagram from Ryan Fields, and he writes, if your woman doesn't find you handsome, she should at least find you handy. <laughs> man, well, I'll tell you what. Thank God I'm handsome because I'm not very handy. So that's a great man law, Ryan. Thanks for uh, supplying that. Make sure you hit us up. So, guys, this hero story, again, our hero stories are stories that you send us to celebrate what God is doing in your life and how you are winning because you get it and everyone else around you is winning. And so here's one from Dave, and he said this in a recent podcast. This is a younger dude, a single guy. He said in a recent podcast, you called up men having sex with their girlfriends before marriage, living or not living with them. I was one of those men. I knew it was wrong, convicted every time. 
wanted to marry her and she she wanted the same wanted to honor god and pursue purity until marriage we both went to counsel from church our church pastor and counselor they encouraged a clean break and months of purity apart from one another before seeing if we are ready for a relationship she then made a decision to make a complete break and had no desire to pursue anything down the road i wanted to do what was right moving forward and honor god and obey now uh, that's a gutsy move by Dave, and I sure appreciate that. And you know what? He did the right thing, and I believe that God has somebody better for him, somebody more committed to Jesus. And guys, it is not easy to do what is right in God's eyes. You know, I was just—I'm reading a book called Church History in Plain Language by a guy named Bruce Shelley. I'm reading it for the second time, and in that book, he talks about the stubbornness of first-century and second-century Christians, and they got killed because they were so unwilling to compromise, Shelley writes in his book, this conviction, this unwillingness to compromise. Guys, we need more of that. We need guys that are not soft Christians who are like, they, G- Jesus is their jello Jesus. They mold and shape him into their image. And that's just not how it's supposed to be, guys. So, hey, Dave, thanks for that great story. Again, make sure you hit us up at info at org, and we will shoot you some swag just to say thanks. And man, we appreciate your courage and God has a great woman out there for you. Hey, today we have a special guest on our show. His name is Alok Nascar. He is uh, 54 years old. He's married to his beautiful wife, Sunita, for the past 20 years. Alok is the founder and director of the Kumon Training Institute in the Indian state of Utaka, Utak, <laughs> Utak, Ut- I can't say it, Utakarand in the corner of India. Uta- say it again. Say it for me. Uttarakhand. There, he can say it better than me. It's in the Indian. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's uh, he's in the Indian state of in the corner of India, just west of Nepal, extending from the Chinese border in the high mountains down through the Himalayan foothills onto the northern fringe of the Great North Indian Plains near the Ganges River. Uh, Alok was born and raised Roman Catholic in Kolkata, West Bengal, in the same neighborhood that made was made famous by Mother Teresa. When Alok was seven years old, his parents took him to an evangelical hostel associated with Billy Graham, and it was there that he found a saving relationship in Jesus Christ. Alok did well in school, continuing through college, eventually earning his doctorate in Christian ministry. Kumon is mostly Hindu people who are proud of their land, and it's considered the home of many of the greatest gods they worship. The majority of Kumon's Hindus are what we call high caste and they are incredibly resistant to the gospel of Jesus. Now listen to this. There are fewer than 20,000 Christian believers in Kumon's population of 4 million. Guys, that's less than half a percent. It was there that Alok founded Kumon Training Institute in 2005, where graduates are working in ministry throughout the region, starting mostly house churches that are transforming the lives of hundreds of people in the region. The Institute recently moved into a beautiful new building on the edge of a large town where their balcony, they have a view across the riverbed to the edge of the jungle where they've actually seen wild barking deer. I would love to see that. Nilge? What is that? Nilge? Yeah. I'll have to ask you what that is. Nilge? What is that? Um, uh, This is like a cow. And uh, this is bigger than cow and um, very tasty. Okay, okay. Red meat. He's also seen leopards, 
leopards and wild elephant. So, man, you guys, we're super excited. Uh, we're having some uh, delay in communication because Alok is all the way in India and many, many hours different time zone. But, man, it's our pleasure to have my friend Alok Nascar on today. Alok, how are you doing today? Very good, by God's grace. Thank you. Well, Alok, you know, not only are you on here to speak to men about your ministry and and how you can help them become better versions of themselves, but but your ministry is something that my wife and I are passionate about. We actually support you guys financially, and uh, I wanted to bring you on because I think what you're doing is extraordinary in a, in a in a in a place that is hostile to Christians, right? Yes, you are right. So tell us a little bit more about your story, uh, the things you enjoy, uh, you know, think what 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 you're what you are about. Just give our guys some context as they listen to the podcast this morning. Well, um, I was raised up uh, in a in a evangelical evangelical mission by Billy Graham uh, here in India, um, North India, and then uh, where. My my career actually, um, I build up my um, foundation there, learning, knowing Jesus Christ, and gave my life at the age of maybe about uh, when I was just 16 years old, and, uh, and then I wanted to study the Word of God and equip myself and serve the Lord throughout my life. So I went to. Calcutta Bible College is uh, William Carey's um, uh, Bible College. Uh, William Carey is the mission of uh, um, uh, father of the mission um, for India, and uh, there yeah. I did my bachelor of theology, and then immediately uh, the Lord gave me the ministry of teaching, um, and the the first ministry that I had was. Uh, um, um, school where there were about thousand students, but they all were non-Christians. Uh, right there in Central Calcutta, where I started teaching them the Word of God uh, with uh, picture Bible, and so that was the beginning of my ministry. And then after teaching there for six years, I was pretty much sure that my calling was to be a teacher. Um, the, teaching the word of God. And so I continued my studies and did my master's. Uh, while I was teaching there, I supported myself and then did my studies, um, continued, uh, uh, completed my master's. And then again, I went to a Bible college, uh, which is in central Maharashtra, Mumbai, where uh, the Lord used me uh, as, as a Bible teacher and uh, and uh, um, uh, spent about four years, long years, and then um, I was very much confirmed that this was the calling that the Lord has given to me. And then uh, I came to the Himalayan, searching for my wife. Uh, by the time I was about 30 years old, and when I came up on this mountain, I found out my beautiful wife right here. And uh, we got married uh, within uh, four or five months. And, uh, and then uh, we started this training center here um, because there was a great need in this area. 
there was uh, not a single uh, training center over here um, this this is uh, this was a big challenge for us and uh, but we started our training um, along with uh, um, with a society a christian mission um, sponsored by a tree of life mission from us but uh, unfortunately um, that the founder got a retirement uh, when he left india he went to us and uh, we were hopeless i mean i mean we were doing the kind of ministry but uh, we did not have uh, much resources but then brother dui weatherby uh, who visited your church uh, at uh, oregon and uh, he looks like you little bit uh, brother jim and he met uh, papa ken <laughs> and then he introduced uh, papa ken uh, about uh, our training center that is how our uh, our journey started with why yam hill church i believe so a low how high up are you above sea level uh, we were earlier we were in nainital which was about 7000 but now we have come down to um, to maybe um, I mean, now we are not on up up on the mountain. We are down here. Are you at seven thousand meters or seven thousand feet? Seven thousand feet. Earlier we were there. That was Nainital. But okay, now so we you're lower there. now. Okay. Yes. Okay. So tell me about a day in the life of a Lok NASCAR. What is your What is your average day look like? Um, the time that we have already. um uh, settled settled is that 5:30 early morning everyone of us we get up and then uh, um our training session starts at um uh, about 6:30 and uh, we have uh, personal morning devotion after personal morning devotion students have uh, their uh, work and then 8:30 we come together as family um, devotion and then uh, classes starts from 9 to uh, continue up to 1 o'clock then after from 1 to 2:30 they have uh, lunch break and uh, they take rest little bit then from 2:30 on students have their uh, different subjects from um, Uh, other teachers and then uh, um after 4:30 we go out to play in the ground and then uh, um in the evening we have uh, um we have some uh, work personal work people they have their own duties uh, those who have uh, duty, kitchen duty they go into the kitchen and cook for the dinner and then uh, um 8 o'clock in the night we have dinner or supper and then uh, 9 o'clock from 9 to 10 we have evening prayer and then 10 10:15 lights up we go to sleep that is a long day at school we enjoy it yeah i i know so tell me about this story i i heard uh, i got an email from ken you referred to him as papa ken It, this is ken watson we're talking about he's yeah. a friend of mine that attends my church mm. and uh, he actually does a lot of uh editing with a lot of the resources that we put out tell me about this story with the leopard and the chicken coop oh 
during the lockdown period <laughs> yes that's that was really yeah. scary but funny uh, during that uh, lockdown period um, we just three of us were there in this building and we had some uh, country chicken in the chicken farm and uh, about 8 uh, o'clock in the night we had some unusual noise in the chicken farm and uh, myself i thought i should go alone and see what is happening there but my wife said i also will come along with you so she took a touch with her and both of us went to the chicken farm and we found out that there was a um, cheetah um, and a, a leopard leopard had already eaten about 20 of them and uh, when i found out it is leopard um, i told my wife it is leopard inside and it was just a feet away from me so my wife just pulled me out oh, wow. from there and we just ran from there to our room wow what what whatever happened to the leopard oh uh, the leopard ate almost half of the chicken from the chicken farm and then we called up oh, no. uh, the forest uh, the forest person um and uh, when they came they somehow um, started um, shouting or they had the gun with them and uh, the leopard just jumped out from that uh, chicken farm and uh, there were just uh, uh, all the chickens were dead actually and the next day they caught the leopard and they took it to the zoo nearby oh wow but that cost you all of your chickens how many chickens were killed uh, we had about uh, 40 to 45 chicken country chicken so so this is a problem because you're using the chickens for eggs i'm assuming that you were eating the chickens yeah that's a lot of money to lose how did you replenish your lost chickens uh then we decided not to continue with the chicken farm yes okay so you never did get new chickens no after that we did not we did not plan to redo that thing okay so so alok tell me about kumon is this your city this is the city you live in correct right now i am here um i am permanent in this city uh for last 20 years we have been staying here And this is a large city with 4 million people, correct? Yes, you are right. And and how do you, how do you get this where did you get the statistic that less than 20,000 people claim to follow Jesus? Is that based on church attendance? Uh what is that based on? Uh the survey was made by some of the uh, people uh with the government survey and uh, um uh, Yeah that that's exact number that we get. And is this is the Kumon uh, is Kumon the least christianized place on the planet? Is this is this a place where fewer people follow Jesus than any other place in the world? Uh I don't know about the world but here in North India uh in our country uh this has been neglected area. according to my knowledge this is because uh, people um, missionaries came here and uh, this is a hard ground rocky ground um, not 
not not so many facilities here uh, i mean there are not so many resources here uh, not good hospitals not good uh, uh, there are no good schools and education systems here so missionaries could not survive here so they came and they left this place wow so just to put it in perspective guys so i live out here in oregon and we're one of the least church states in the country per capita and that and i would say that about 10% of the people i run into in oregon are christians so 10%. So now when we're talking about Kumon, we're talking about half of 1%. And and even that is not an accurate number because a lot of those denominations are are groups of people that don't have a um, biblical view of Christianity. They're a lot more liberal in their theology. So Alok, what is the biggest challenge in your region to winning people to Christ? i think according to me the society and now mostly because of uh, the new government that has come and uh, uh, that is the i think major issue here so we're talking about an area that is half of 1% christian but even those even that is not accurate right a lot of those quote, Christians aren't really serving Jesus, correct? Yeah, yes. Why is that? Um, here, off, uh, in this, uh, in this uh, state, um, not so many evangelical churches. The churches that are around are Methodist, and they don't believe in evangelism work. That is the main problem here. Okay, I understand. So, now, we're talking about a, a region that's a half of 1% Christian. What's the percentage of Hindus in your area? There could be 80%. Wow. And, and what is it in the Hindu religion that makes it so antagonistic to Christianity? There, the, the society here is very much uh, uh, stubborn and uh, deep rooted into their own religion and so if you were to describe hinduism to uh, an american what would you what would you say hinduism represents what are the major beliefs of hinduism idol worship okay and now they have now when you say idol worship are you talking the worship of many gods or what are you talking about? Yeah, many gods and goddesses. And this this place is known as... How many do they have? There are, they, they say, 33 million gods and goddesses. 33 million? Millions, yes. And the, the place that we are staying, this is the root of all those gods and goddesses. So you're in, you're in the hub of one of the most passionate Hindu areas in exactly. that religion. Yes, yes. This is this is known as in Hindi we say Dev Bhumi means the 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 land of gods and goddesses. Wow. So how do you break from how do you break through, you know, Paul said uh, when he was uh, it, it, Paul said in the book of Acts he said, "I noticed that you worship many gods, you even have a god 
that is the unknown God. And what I, what you see as unknown, I want to make known to you. How do you break through a, a Hindu who believes or has 33 million options to worship? How do you break through that with the message of Jesus who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes the Father but through me. Well, for last since last 20 years, we have been trying to see the difficulties people face, they go through every day in their lives. Mostly people are possessed with the evil spirit. And when they possessed with the evil spirit, they, uh, they don't have any other way to come out of that. So when they come to know that we worship a living God, um, they find a way to come to us, and then we we have we have privilege to share the gospel with them. And mostly young people are possessed with the um, with the alcoholic or drugs. So um, so parents when they are possessed with the evil spirit. They come to know that we, we, we do worship a living God. So they come to us for prayers. We share the gospel with them. We pray with them and the Lord heals them. And then they um, put their trust in the Lord. There are many young people that are drug addicts and alcoholic. And so their parents bring them to us for counseling. And uh, um, we do counsel them, godly. we provide them godly counseling to them. And we try to help them to come out from the drugs and the alcoholic. And that is how we try to share the gospel with them. So Alok, when you say they are possessed by the evil spirits, can you define what that means for our listeners? Evil spirit... Um, um, a spirit which is uh, um, uh, spirit of um, Satan. So Satan or the gods or goddesses, they, they trust, they put their trust in, uh, they get troubled by them. So are you, are you, when you talk about alcoholism and drugs, would you say that's an evil spirit, the spirit of alcohol, the spirit of drugs, or are you saying that there's a, a demonic possession that these people have? are dealing with when they come to you yes exactly that is true which part of it i mean i mean they are possessed with the demonic spirit that uh, uh -huh. we can see most of the that that is actually uh, that happens with most of the ladies here and the young people are possessed with the evil spirit but they are um, alcoholic or drug addicts and so you see the power of God delivering these people and freeing yes. them. Yes, and last 20 years we have been seeing that. And, uh, and the Lord has delivered them from the evil spirit, from demonic spirit. Many ladies have been healed by, the, by God, by, by our Lord Jesus through prayers. And uh, many young people have come to the Lord. Um, um, by our um, godly counseling. So why do you think you have so many ladies coming to you for deliverance instead of men? Um, men are not uh, possessed with the demons. 
Um, we we have been um, um, facing with the ladies possessed with the demonic spirit. We don't know why. That is really really interesting. So so if you were in America on this podcast, you probably would not use demonic deliverance and exorcism as your main method of evangelism. But that seems like well, in India that is your primary method to evangelize. Well, we don't do that. Uh, our our even, even way of doing evangelism is sharing the gospel. But when people come with their problem to us, we don't ignore, but we pray with them and the Spirit of the Lord heals them. That is so awesome. That is so awesome. So not only do you have people who are demonically possessed, uh, dealing with drugs, dealing with alcohol, uh, people who have an option to worship 33 million gods, but in India, unlike, let's say, America, you have this other evil thing that hinders the gospel spread called the caste system. Can you talk to us about the caste system and how it is a, a, a hindrance or a challenge for you to share the gospel? Yeah, this is a big problem here. This is really so big, huge problem here, I would say. Uh, caste system is the uh, uh, biggest problem in India. Um, uh, I don't know um, whether you have in America or not, but here we have the biggest problem, caste system, low caste and the high caste. But uh, fortunately, thank God that uh, I belong to a high caste, but uh, uh, and uh, and so the Lord has used me and my wife to work among the high caste people, mostly in in India. Mostly, um, Christian works is done among the low caste people, and so we took the challenge myself and my wife to work among the high caste people, and the Lord has been using here uh, in this area. So, Alok, from what I understand, and help me on this, I'm trying to understand the caste system. How many castes of people are there in India? And what, what separates one caste from the other? Is it income or is it color of the skin? Both. Both. And how many caste systems are there? How many castes of people? There are four different castes here. The high caste, the highest caste is known as a Brahmin. And they say they have come out from the mouth of Brahma, the, the uh, most high God. And then comes the, the people, those who are uh, um, Kshatriya, they are the warrior. And then comes the, uh, the low caste people. And is that, is that your caste? Uh, I, I am, I am, I am, uh, Consider as a high caste. So you're the highest caste, the Brahmin. I am the high. Yes, yes. Okay, then yes. there's the warrior yes. caste, and then what's the? But the low, low. Yes. What's the caste? Third, third caste is the one those who do the farming work. The lowest ones are the um, the one those who do the sweeping work, and. Um, they are they are laborers. They are the low caste people. So the so the castes 
determine the jobs that you have in society as well? Uh, so the the low caste people are not considered to get uh, the the job uh, in a, in a better better um, um, government sectors. Now, from an evangelistic standpoint, can the you're in the highest caste? Can the highest caste minister and reach yeah. out to the lowest caste? Can you reach all? Can is it frowned upon for you to reach the low caste? What are they called? The untouchables? Yeah, the high caste. Yes, the high caste person can do that, but the low caste person cannot do that. he cannot reach out to the reach up to the high caste person but the high caste person has got got the um, um, freedom to come down to the low caste and uh, serve him or do anything with them and the easiest way to tell what caste a person is is by the color of the skin uh sometime it is sometime so would you consider that racism yes right You can say that. Wow, that is a that sounds like a massive challenge. Yeah. Now, Alok, yes. do you in your school do you have is your school all high caste or do you have do you do you have low caste in your school? We have all different castes people here. I mean, we we consider all the caste people to come whether low or high and then we also uh this is known as interdenomination training center um we don't just take one denomination we take everyone whether catholic whether baptist cni methodist everyone is welcome here but uh, but uh, we don't take uh, non christians for our training those who are born again christians those who have desire to serve the lord we take them So is it frowned upon by the non-believers in your area that you allow every caste into your school? Um as I said um we don't take uh, non-Christians. We take caste but people those who have put their trust in the Lord, those who have heart to serve the Lord, we take them for the training. get training and then serve the lord well that's the beauty of the gospel is that you're you're a very unique organization in the fact that you allow all different castes to be a part of your school that must be very unique in the city that you live in for people to see you allowing that yes yeah that's really beauty is it frowned upon by the higher castes that even though you're a high caste you allow the the lowest caste people in your school is that frowned upon how do people view that people take it as, um, i mean people look at it so different ways and people have accepted it so well the society has accepted it so well too wow so so that's a that's a massive paradigm shift that that this caste system you've actually broken through the caste system so you've broken through this very rigid form of racism exactly by god's grace man that is really cool that is super cool so let me ask this question alok 
how does the gospel appeal to men in India or does it seem to attract women more than men and why do you think that is i think women are more attracted because they have simple faith and they are they are very much religious here in india the men are men are not that religious but women are religious oh so okay that's why and is, is that true for hinduism as well as christian yeah yeah yes with hinduism also men are not that uh, that religious minded but ladies are very, very much religious from starting from the early morning uh, they keep on uh, um, um, worshiping different gods and goddesses so i'm i'm trying to understand with the time difference and all this so you're saying that even in hinduism the women are more religious yes very much religious so what's the challenge for you to not only break through with christianity but to break through to men the difficulties with uh, not having unity because of so many denominations it's so difficult to uh, help people i don't think uh, I don't think our listeners actually understand the challenge that you're going through, Alok. You know, in America, it's very difficult to reach people for Christ when, you know, 90% of people don't believe in Jesus. But for you, it's it's 99.5% in a very, very spiritual community. I just, I think our guys, I want our guys to understand how rocky the soil really is for you have you and your wife or your daughter ever been in danger have you ever felt in danger for your faith no no we we have never been to that point at all is there a danger for a hindu person coming to christ is there a danger that they might be harmed or excommunicated for their faith in christ um in some other cities maybe but right here um i don't think so i mean according to our experience with the people here around we have not seen people are um, people feel that way people are so so open minded and people have accepted i think it depends on uh, who is sharing with them if people have accepted accepted me and my wife well um uh, there is no danger uh, then okay so alok will you tell us a little bit more about your school how do you guys survive financially how do you keep the school open do the students support the school do you have outside support Uh, what are the challenges financially uh, we have we we have we don't have any challenge right now because of uh, ycc and uh, you and papa ken and papa john and brother we dwi uh, so we don't have uh, difficulties now because of you people uh, have been so um, helpful to us financially So by when you're talking about YCC those are the initials of the church I attend. So our church is highly involved in supporting your ministry. 
So is it possible for a person who is in a lower caste to ever move up to a higher caste through education, through working hard? You know, in America, we've got a lot of uh, racial tension right now, but I don't think it's anything close to what you experience in India. So can a lower caste person work themselves up through the caste system? Never. 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 So mm-hmm. so it's a, it's an open, blatant form of racism that nobody cares to change or cares to fix. Not it, it is not possible at all. It's not going to happen. So difficult. Wow. Wow. Except through the gospel of Jesus, when you This is so sad. Very sad. That is very sad. But your but your school has done that, correct? Yes, you are right. That is that is uh it's a beautiful thing you're doing, Alok, and I, I support your ministry uh with my with my heart, with my words, with my wallet. And I really appreciate you. Is there any way guys can learn more about the Kumon, Kumon Training Institute? Do you have a website? Uh, I, it was there, but now it is not um, in a condition. It's not running condition now. I'll refresh it and I'll let you know. Oh. I'll send you on your uh, um, um, email address. Yeah. Okay, guys. Oh, so we will, we will put that address in our show notes. And Alok, we just want to thank you so much for all that you're doing to spread the gospel in a place that's very hostile to the gospel, in a place that's very uh, racist, in a place that worships 33 million gods. Uh, you are in a dark place, but you are a light in a dark place. And we just thank you so much. Thanks so much for coming on this show. Thank you so much, Brother Jim. Thank you so much hey, for this privilege. I believe this... Uh, this is going to be useful for many. I, I believe that too. Guys, I want to get some boots on the ground here. You know, we had a loke on the show for a reason. You know, we think that we've got it bad in America with racism or with cat, with different classes. We just have, or the spiritual climate of America. We have no clue uh, what a loke is doing to push back the darkness uh, at the Kumon Training Institute. I want you to, when we uh, get done with the show, look up the website and look into his uh, school. Uh, pray about other organizations, Christian organizations around this world that you can support because they desperately need you to get behind them. So, guys, thanks so much for coming on the show and tuning in this morning. Hey, men, make sure you head on over to meninarena.org. Grab your free copy of my book, Tell Them What Great Fathers Tell Their Sons and Daughters, and sign up to join one of our many virtual teams by clicking the Join Our Program button. Until next time, feel the wet sand on the arena floor. Hear the deafening roar of the crowd. Taste the sweetness of victory. Smell the stench of battle. Get in the game. Get dirty. Grind it out. And be a man. You've been listening to the Men in the Arena podcast. If you hunger to be your best version, then join thousands of men from around the world in our Men in the Arena forum on Facebook. This is the best place to have open discussions around the topic of biblical manhood. Make sure to explore our website at meninthearena.org, sign up for the weekly equipping blast, and take advantage of our many free resources designed to help you become your best version of a man. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. Remember, when a man gets it, Everyone wins. 
What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men from around the world and find out the type of dad you are.